It's uh, lovely to be able to see you. It's lovely to be able to connect, whether you're here in person or online. I don't know about you, but I love being here. Um, I end up with a little bit of a conflict when I sit down over there, uh, because part of my job, I think, is to, is to set an example in terms of worship and, and how we engage. But often I just feel so blessed to be able to sit between what's in front and what's behind. And, and, and I love just sitting there and letting the worship wash over me. It's such a privilege to feel, for me, like I belong here. I've been here nearly 14 years now, and I still feel like I belong. I don't know how you feel this morning about belonging. I don't know how you feel this morning about your place in this world. I wonder how much you feel you are living your purpose. Or perhaps you feel like you're just going through the motions. I think in truth, all human beings come and go in that zone, don't we? We, we have times where we feel like we are doing exactly what God wants us to do. We're in exactly the place of fulfillment and all sorts of other things. And then at other times we just feel like, my goodness me, I mean nothing. I'm wasting my life. One of the things that, that hurts me in my journey as a pastor is encountering people who, who believe they have no worth, who, who believe they have no value, who believe that, that they don't have a place and a purpose. And I'm reminded that it's actually, it's easy to end up in that place. We live in a world that, that often tells us we have to be a very particular way in order to matter. We listen to what's going on around us, or for some of us, what's going on inside our own heads, and we lose perspective. And so we, we, we're journeying as a church family together through the book of Ephesians. And, and throughout the year, we're going to dig into it back and forth and from time to time. And in a few weeks, we're going to spend four weeks parked in one chapter, chapter four. But, but we want to see the big picture. And, and one of the big pictures that the book of Ephesians is about is is for us as God's family, as God's children, to discover our place and our purpose in the world. Why are we here? And do we really matter as individuals and as a, a, a family together? If you were here last week, you would have heard James reminding us about our place out of chapter two in terms of, of Jesus your and my place in this world in terms of a relationship with Jesus, the creator of the world. Let me just quickly remind you what chapter two says about us. One of the things it tells us about our place in, our, in the world is part of our place in the world is to have a relationship with Jesus. 
And, 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 and from Jesus' perspective, this is, not a, this is not a begrudging thing that he offers us if we're good enough. It's not something that, that uh, we, we get to like grovel in order to achieve. He's not condescending so that he can give us this relationship with him. He created us so that we can have this relationship with him. And, and he invites us into it. And he sacrifices himself so that people like you and me can, can be in Christ and can live a life that has got God at the center of it like we were created to have. But chapter two also reminds us that that, that relationship, that place isn't just with Jesus, it's with one another. It's with one another and not just one another because we fit into natural boxes that are easy. We're in the same social group or the same this kind of group, no. Our, our, our place in the world is to fit with one another because of Jesus. And so these really bizarre groups of people, these groups of people that in the natural order of things should never be connected to each other, become one. They become, their central identity becomes not who they are as society defines them, but who they are together as God defines them. And that was a big struggle for the Ephesians because people from all sorts of backgrounds were not suddenly together. But part of our place is to be in this family that God is shaping from, from people who we would never, in the normal run of our lives, associate with. And then the third thing that Ephesians tells us is that, is that God lives in us. I just want you to stop for a moment. For those ancient Hebrews who, who, who lived every day as lives given over to God and had all sorts of habits that, inf that affected every part of their lives, how they cooked, how they slept, everything, how they tied their shoelaces, I promise you there was even a rule for that. The only time they could truly connect with God is if they went to the temple because that's where God was in the world. And, and now Paul is saying now that that's changed. God's physical presence is in the world where followers of Jesus are, everywhere, because he's in them. He's in you and he's in me. So, so we have this amazing place in our world. Paul is, well, he's written this whole book to tell people how amazing it is. And so he's, he's unpacked this, but he, he wants to take us beyond just knowing this in our head. He says it's no good knowing your place in the world and not living it out. A good friend of mine studied medicine, became a doctor, and then decided he didn't want to be a doctor. So he locumed while he studied architecture, and he became an architect. 
And then when he was doing architecture for a while, he, he didn't decide he didn't want to do that, so he studied journalism. And then he became a qualified journalist. Do you know what he's doing now? Practicing as a doctor. <laughs> That's how he lives his life out in the world. It's no good knowing in our heads or thinking we know until we live out. And so Paul now transitions. He goes from telling people who they are and, and, and Pastor Paul comes out and starts writing chapter three. And as he begins to write, he wants to tell them, guys, don't worry about me, even though I'm in prison. All these things I've told you that you now are doubting because, because you know, I'm supposed to be this missionary who travels around and now I'm in prison, I, I want to put that in context for you. So he begins chapter three by saying, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of the gospel of Jesus Christ for the sake of you Gentiles, and now he interrupts himself. I know about how your family dynamic works. Our family dynamic is, is not that we just interrupt each other when we talk. But some of us, because we have ADD, we interrupt ourselves while we're talking. And that's what Paul does here. He, he, he begins to say to them, guys, I want to talk to you about the fact that you can live out this amazing reality of who God is anywhere, even in prison. But he gets halfway through the sentence, and then he feels he has to remind them how life-changing what he said in chapter two is. He, 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 he says, guys, I, I, I have to tell you this again. <laughs> I, I just have to. And so he then interrupts himself and unpacks again. He's just done it. He's gonna do it again. Why? Well, because this is such, this is such a different worldview. This is so different to anything that any of them had ever lived or experienced before. And so he's telling them, guys, everything has to change. And so he goes back to remind them what it is he, he's about. Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I've already written briefly, in reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was made known to people, was not made known to people in other generations, as it has been revealed by the Holy Spirit, by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that though, that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which for ages past has been kept hidden in God who created all things. 
My intent was that now, through the church, his intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Okay, so now he's finished his interruption, his re-explanation, and then he says, I ask you therefore, do not be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Okay, so now I want to do what Paul did here. I want us to go back and once more go over what our place and purpose is in this world. Because we forget it so quickly. We're just like the Ephesians. We're just like God's people throughout ages. We, we, we get given this amazing thing and we forget. Or we let it slip, or we let it go, or we let ourselves get overwhelmed. And so I want to remind each of us this morning about this place that we have, but more important, that this place gives us a purpose that we must live out. And so I want to remind you this morning out of this passage that, that we have to live out a wonderful, powerful, strange, and difficult purpose. This purpose that God has given to each one of us who are his children and us collectively is a wonderful, powerful, strange, and sometimes truly difficult purpose. Paul says this to these people. I want to remind you how wonderful this gift is. And he uses that strange word, this administration. What he's really saying is God gave me a particular zone to work in amongst all the other apostles. And it's this, it's to, it's to help Gentiles understand that God loves them. This group of outsiders that felt excluded. He says to them, I want you to realize that before Jesus came, people didn't really understand what God was about. Even those who were deeply connected with God they only had a partial glimpse of who God is. And, and, and how they saw God was often really, really broken for the Jews that Paul is addressing. He says, you guys need to understand that, that God actually did come into the world. That God did come into the world that God is not only found in heaven and in that temple in Jerusalem, that God physically as a human being came into the world. That, that, that is impossible for a person from a Jewish background to understand because God does not do that. For these, he, for these, for these, Jew, these Romans and these Greeks, the idea that God's coming to the world was, a, they knew that. That's how their religious system worked. And all you did was make sacrifices to make sure those gods left you alone. So hopefully your sacrifice was bigger than the oak next door to you because then they'd mess with him. And so, so God's coming into the world was a normal thing for them, but it was terrifying because God's came into the world to mess with human beings. 
And so both these groups of people have to understand the wonder of this, that God came into the world to love and to save and to invite and to give abundant life. And that changes everything. But there's generations of people who just didn't understand how wonderful it is. And Paul is going, guys, here's what's awesome about this. We get to do this. We've discovered this life-changing thing, and it is wonderful beyond words. Another wonder that Paul keeps going back to again and again is this idea that God includes people who are marginalized. That God genuinely loves the Greeks and the Romans and the pagans. And Paul has to constantly remind people how Jesus acted when he was in this world, that, that he spoke kindly to Samaritan women, that he did miracles for Roman centurions, that he spent time with people that other people had nothing, would have nothing to do with because they were evil. He risked his reputation. The wonder of this gospel isn't just that God came into the world, but he came into the world for every single human being. I became a Christian when I was about seven years old. And the truth is, sometimes I take that for granted. I just get used to it. I get used to the fact that the God of the universe came into this world so that that little boy called John Ben could live in a deeply intimate and personal relationship with God and know his place in the world and know his purpose. I get used to it. How, how badly do I need to be reminded of the wonder of this gospel? Just like Paul is reminding these guys, he says, I'm the least, I'm the, I shouldn't even have been considered. And yet I end up give, being given this amazing opportunity. Truly, our place in the world is wonderful. And it's not just my place, says Paul, it's all of our place in this world because of who Jesus is. Paul reminds these Ephesians again, that not only is our place in the world a wonderful place, he also reminds us that it is an incredibly powerful place. That when we live out our place in the world, amazing things happen. Paul says in, in this passage, he reminds them about the fact that the stuff we do changes the spiritual world. When, when we live out our purpose as followers of Jesus, things in the heavenly realm change. The truth is it doesn't always feel like that. The Ephesians are worried about Paul. Hey, Paul, if this thing of yours is so powerful, how come you're in jail, bro? You know, if, if it's meant to change the world, how come you ended up in jail? Something's wrong here. And Paul says, I don't know, I just want to remind you how powerful it is. It's not dependent on me as a human being saying the right words or doing the right things. It's dependent upon who God is. And it's not just powerful in the physical, 
in, in the spiritual realm. It is powerful in, in, the, in the world around us. When Paul was writing this letter, slavery was a thing that happened everywhere in the world. It was just a part of every society. People ended up being owned by other human beings. The gospel changed that. First people to say, the slavery thing is wrong. People can't be owned by other people. We're Christians who looked at this and said, this is not right. Things that used to kill human beings on a routine basis, sicknesses that would just you got it, you died. Are now considered minor inconveniences by so often. Why? Because followers of Jesus started things like hospitals. Whole countries' legal systems, they claim, are based on Judeo-Christian worldview. You see, this, this gospel is incredibly powerful. It changes the world, it changes human beings. But the truth is sometimes we end up in a set of circumstances where it just doesn't feel like that. Where we feel disempowered. This is not new, the early Christians were like that. They thought they'd won the world in Jerusalem and then they started getting persecuted and they ran away. But that didn't take the power out of it, in fact God used it. And Paul is saying guys, it is powerful, even if I'm in jail. You need to understand, because I'm in jail, I get to preach to people who would never have heard the gospel. In one of Paul's other letters, he, he talks about the fact that he, he, gets to, he gets to share the gospel with the Praetorian God. Those were, those were Caesar's heavies. They were the guys, they were Caesar's personal bodyguard. Think in our modern world of like the secret police. The, those guys that, that use force to do everything. He says, I even get to tell those guys about Jesus. And I never would have if I'd still been with you. It's only because I'm in prison these guys guard me. So I share the gospel with him. You see, this gospel is powerful. But Paul also reminds the Ephesians that this gospel is also strange. It, it's counterintuitive. It says things like Greeks and Hebrews and Romans can live together as brothers and sisters. Rich and poor can be in the same church family. That people who are naturally divided are going to be part of the same family. It's not easy. Almost all of the book of Acts is about them struggling with this idea that those pagans and those Jews needed to be in the same church together. And the church still hasn't got it right. In many societies, the church still remains completely segregated when it shouldn't be. And I thank God for what he's doing here. But it's, 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 it's strange and it's difficult because it's not the norm. And so this gospel goes against norms. It goes against the idea that if you are rich, you are better. It goes against the idea that if you are educated, you are superior. 
It tells us things like the first shall be last and the last shall be first. It says to us things like you've heard it said. Love your friends and hate your enemies. I tell you, love your enemies and pray for them. You see, it is a strange gospel that is difficult and is counterintuitive, but it's a gospel that changes the world. It's this very strangeness that sometimes makes it hard for us. It's this very strangeness that sometimes makes us want to go, I can't do this anymore. Because sometimes it just feels like we should just be expedient. Sometimes it feels like to win, we have to kind of cross that barrier. A businessman I know well many years ago was in a dispute with, I think it was a chemical at Allied Workers Union. And it ended up in court and he hired the best lawyer that he could find to represent him. And as they were preparing, he said to the lawyer, I need you to understand something. You cannot tell lies in court. And the lawyer said to him, you, are you serious? He said, you can't. He said, but you do want to win this case, don't you? He says, I definitely want to win this case, but you can't lie. The lawyer said, look, you're going to lose. I know the magistrate, you're going to lose. This businessman said, I, that's, I'm, that's a price I'm prepared to pay. The long story short is they didn't lie and they didn't lose either. But sometimes we struggle because this gospel is strange and it goes against the culture and it goes against sometimes our own nature. We have to be reminded that the strangeness is something of who God is because we're representing him in the world, not ourselves. Paul also wants us to know that our place in the world is sometimes difficult. It just is. Hey guys, I'm here in jail. Do I want to be in jail? No, I don't. In fact, he says it. He says, I would much rather be with you guys in Ephesus, you know, hanging out and enjoying the sea view, but I'm not. Because this gospel, this place in the world is based on sacrifice. It's based on being a follower of Jesus, the man who said, if you, deny, if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Jesus said, if you want to lose, if you want to keep your life, you must be prepared to lose it. I want to remind you of all of that. But more than anything, says Paul, I want to remind you of this, that the purpose that you have and the place that you have in this world despite it being all those things, is the only place to be. And this purpose mustn't just be thought about and theorized about, it must be lived out. Wherever you are, whether you're a prisoner right now or you're the CEO, whether you're a mom at home who's just desperately trying to keep it together, or somebody who, who, who works in a garden in this heat, yeah, even this heat. Whoever you are, your place in this world has been given to you by God, and your place in this world is to represent him and to live that out. As Paul ends, he says this, I ask you therefore, do not be discouraged. Don't, 
Don't give up, guys. Whatever you do, don't give up. Because this stuff that I'm suffering is because of who Jesus is. And the place I am right now is exactly where he wants me to be. And you know what? If I don't, it will be to your glory and to God's. Church family, your purpose and your place is in Jesus Christ and in his family. But it's not a place to be theorized about. It is a place to be lived out. Whoever you are, even if in this moment you think, nah, everybody else, John, but not me. Nah, you too. Because Jesus knows you and loves you and has called you to this and has given you a place here amongst us. Your purpose must not just be believed, it must be lived whoever you are and wherever you are. And when you do that, you are transformed, the body is transformed, and the world is transformed. Our purpose and our place must be lived in the power of Jesus Christ. Let me pray for you. Lord, our, our, our calling is amazing. It's, it's strange, it's wonderful, it's powerful, and Lord, we have to confess that sometimes it's difficult. But Lord, we want to live it. We want to be those people who allow you to change us and turn us into humble servants of you and of one another. Lord, give us a strength wherever we find ourselves, to live out not what we are experiencing or what we are feeling, but who you are and the place you've put us. Lord, teach each of us to take our place and to live it out in the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Please won't you stand because I don't want you just to walk out. I want to bless you before you go out. I don't want to bless you. God wants to bless you, but he's going to use words that I have. Church family, may the spirit of Christ empower you to love and serve your neighbors. As you invite them into your hearts and your homes, your lives and your schedules, may they come to understand through being loved by you that they are loved by God and that they do have a purpose and a place in this world. You're more ready to do this than you realize. Go now in the grace, mercy, and peace of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And all God's children said, amen. God bless you.